I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. I'm recording this solo as one of the final solos of season four, and reflecting on a year. So it's December 2023 as I record this. I was walking along the street the other day, and I just started talking into my voice notes in my phone because something came to me that I felt needed to maybe be aired here, to be explored here, because maybe, maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for someone listening to this, or maybe it's just for me, but I've come to the conclusion that whatever needs to flow through me, whatever needs to flow through anybody really, has some juice in it for someone else. And so I'm going to revisit my thoughts from the other day because I think they're useful, especially if you're listening to this sort of toward the end of the year or at the beginning of something. May this land when it needs to land for you. But just think about the things that you thought were harmful in your life, growing up or lately, and ask how they've made you who you are. Ask how maybe it's a lesson for your soul that you needed, but that you designed for yourself. Because I do believe that we design our lives ahead of time. I do believe that there is intelligent design in our lives, not that there's, there's not randomness like some people believe. And whether or not you buy that, this exercise of thinking back through your life can be useful for you too. I think back on the way I grew up. And for years, I was very staunchly against religion, for example, as a result, because I grew up in a very, very conservative Christian household in the U.S. And frankly, there were some belief systems that crushed me. You know, women didn't need an education. I was the bad child who deserved punishment every day because I was strong-willed, because I, I knew what I wanted and I said it, and that was not acceptable from a child who was meant to be molded to the will of my parents because they were, they represented God in my life. Bit crazy. <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot that I had to work through. A lot of bullshit. But now I get that the bullshit was actually what led me to the healing. What led me to see some of the beauty because I grew up in a deeply devotional tradition. I watched both of my parents every day get up early to read their Bibles and pray. And so the moment I learned to read at the age of four, I started my own daily devotional practice. I read my Bible and I prayed. And then every night as a family, we read the Bible and prayed together. At every meal, we gave thanks and prayed. And then when I was about 14 years old, I decided to start fasting every Sunday to focus and deepen my spiritual practice. It's not your typical 14-year-old thing to do, right? So just thinking back and thinking about who I've become 
somebody who is deeply spiritual, deeply values-driven, and wants to have and has had an impact on the world, I now get it. I look back and I see this thing that I, I've done years of trauma work on, yeah, and there was definitely hardship and trauma in the way that that framework was interpreted by humans who are flawed. But actually, I've had a spiritual practice, a deep spiritual practice for 40 years. And it's interesting because some of my best friends, my running buddies in the spiritual path I'm on, didn't grow up like that. And so we've kind of shared an understanding of my background that like, oh, it's, you know, it was rough. But now I see I chose this path and I have had that deep personal development practice for 40 years, which is pretty incredible when I realized that something I have thought of as harmful for a lot of my life, the the way I grew up, the religious structure I grew up in, was actually perfect for me. It gave me this structure and discipline and understanding of spiritual practice and spiritual discipline and spirituality that means I've been practicing manifestation for 40 years. I've been practicing spiritual discipline, and that's of course, what I needed to refine my own ability to give that to other people, to guide that, to teach that. And and just seeing it that way is just such a, wow, what a gift, such a different lens, such a different way of seeing something. And so I just wanted to put that out there to you. Because if you think back on your life, what have some of the rough things actually given you? How can you see the beauty in that, in your own life, in your own background, what has actually been foundational to who you are now, to what you've become? Where are the gifts? Where's the beauty? Even in, and particularly in, the moments you don't love from your background, from your life till now. And even if you feel like a lot of areas we've grown up with have maybe been painful, traumatic, and that's legitimate. Those are legitimate things to work through. I'm not poo-pooing that. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. You know, if you did have abuse in your childhood or any point in your life or you've had heartbreak or chronic illness or any of these things that are really genuinely hard things to experience in this human body we've all chosen to be in this time around, acknowledge that they were painful. Those moments were hard. But then also look for the treasure. Where are the treasures? What are the reasons you designed that for yourself? Why were you in those situations? And if you don't believe that you designed your life, that's fine. But how has that led to an insight or maybe a wound that is waiting for you to love it, to nurture it, to heal it? And from that, that shadow work, that dark moment, that hard stuff, that healing, what's that going to make you? What's that going to give you that is actually a gift for yourself or for the world? The answer might not be immediate. It might not make sense to you. It might even piss you off. But just sit with the question until the answer starts to emerge. What is there in that part of my life, that painful thing, that hard thing, that has actually formed part of, or a big part of, the architecture that is the life I now like, that is part of me that I like, that is very intrinsic to what I feel I'm meant to do in the world or the life I want to live. My highest version of myself 
the thing I want to achieve. Just keep asking that question. Because now I see that my strict religious upbringing, my strict religious practice was actually what I wanted, was actually what I needed, was actually, it was like growing up in a religious order. You know, we celebrate Tibetan monks who go off as young children and become holy people. We don't talk about, you know, how they are, you know, beaten, disciplined, how that order is hard and strict. We don't think about how they become devoted, and in some cases it's probably a little bit brutal, but because my background is a bit more familiar, it can be seen as, you know, hard, abusive, traumatic, not acceptable, because it's, you know, this form of religion that is very present in our lives. We see it, you know, shaping policy in places like the U.S. If you're listening to this, you're probably not still in a strict fundamentalist tradition of some sort. You might be. Nothing wrong with that. But it's, we see things differently. And what I've started to realize is I chose, my soul chose to be born into a family knowing that it was part of a very strict religious order. But that's what I wanted. That's what I needed. That trained me to become what I am, a spiritual practitioner, a guide. And yeah, some of the strictness, the discipline was over the top, but it gave me an understanding of spiritual practice. It gave me a spiritual practice. It taught me to always seek to develop, not because I had to, although I did kind of have to, to be safe in that in that order, but I didn't do it as the kind of game that some people I grew up with play in order to just navigate, to be accepted. You know, like, yeah, I, I was very devoted. I was very sincere and it did keep me safe because it made me acceptable and even celebrated. You know, I, I, I felt the call from God at the age of 10 to be a missionary when I grew up. And so that is how I prepared myself from the age of 10 till I was in my early 20s and realized I don't actually believe a lot of this stuff and was angry and, and went through that process of being angry about some of the brainwashing I was given, some of the, the more brutal ways in which, you know, that religious discipline and order was enforced by others in my life and used, used by other people in a way that wasn't necessarily healthy. You know, it was used for power, position, to protect themselves from their own fear. But at the same time, now I get it. I entered that on purpose. It, it gave me a focus. It gave me a compass point that guided me through all of my life to here. And so now that my practices are more, air quote, spiritual rather than religious, they're still the same practices in a lot of ways. They're contemplative. They're seeking to be the highest version of who I can be. They are seeking to build a life based on my values, based on the things I know in my guts, in my heart, in my instincts, in my knowings, as I call them, are my path, are my devotional service to the world. And so I'm grateful now as I look back and I think about the mission that I'm on and how I've gotten here. And I see how the things that sometimes I've I've needed to heal some of the things that happened in the way I grew up, but now I'm grateful for the discipline, the theme of practice, the, the spiritual focus 
that has been ever present in my life because of that upbringing. And actually, it's I'm grateful to myself for choosing <laughs> the situation I've created for my life, even as a small child, you know, even, even though it was hard, even though I did experience a lot of physical, you know, brutality. And, you know, it's, it's called spanking in the tradition I grew up in, but it was very ritualized. And it was until I cried every day and asked forgiveness. And it was, it was hard and it was physically painful. But at the same time, like, Forgetting about just that little thing that I could focus on that was traumatic. Seeing the bigger picture, zooming out and seeing the bigger picture of actually what it was that I got from the whole context, not just that really super painful part of it. It is beautiful. And I can't express it better than that, other than just to say, when you choose to make art, when you choose to see the beauty and the pain, that's that's when you really power forward. So it's only been in, in healing the parts of that background and healing those hard things that have happened to me in healing the parts of myself that were, you know, maybe damaged by it, that I've been able to appreciate the beauty. So if in thinking back to some of the hard things in your life, they are still really raw. I would just encourage you to seek healing to dive into it as a beautiful process that will bring you to the other side so that you can get to a point where you understand the beauty that those things hold, where you understand the reason that those things are in your life, have been in your life, to lead you to your highest self, to lead you to your truest calling, to lead you to your biggest impact, and to help you remember who you are. That's something that's been coming up so much for me in the past couple of years as I've done various practices with different guides, different teachers, different friends who are deeply powerful people who, who lead things like kundalini activations through meditations I do and through leading myself and remembering who I am, remembering the powerful soul I was born to be. So I encourage you to Put on that lens of remembering who you are as you look back on any of the things that have been hard in your life, any of the themes that come to mind when you ask that question of yourself, how is this part of what I needed to be or what I want to be? How are the hard moments actually the necessary parts of shaping me? of going through the fire of refinement, of teaching me something that I needed. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Please do let me know what this brings up for you, what responses it prompts, what questions it prompts. I hope this finds you when it needs to find you. I hope you hear from this what you need to get from it. And I hope that you're able to see the beauty in your life from the hard parts See how it's led you to points in your life and traits and places that you really actually wanted to get to, that you needed to get to, that that pain, anything that's been hard in your life is part of the art, some of the paints with which you are going to make art out of your life. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with me. If you enjoyed this episode, Follow and like The Discomfort Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. 
leave me a five-star and written review, and share this with other people. Help me to reach new audiences with this idea that consciously practicing discomfort helps us to individually and collectively discover our superpowers and create a society and a planet where everyone can thrive. Thank you so much to my guests all season. Go back and listen to a few more episodes to hear more of them. They are wonderful humans doing amazing things in the world. Thanks to my team who helped me produce this podcast and for those who inspire me through their writing, their conversation, and their support. So that's all from me for now. Follow me on Instagram at the Betsy Reed if you want to get to know me a bit better, some of my thoughts. And in the meantime, stay uncomfortable. <laughs>